Queen Zixie of Ix, Volume 6 Chapter 16, The Plain Above the Clouds I have already mentioned how high the mountains are between Noland and the land of Ix, but at the north of the city of Nol were mountains much higher, so high indeed that they seemed to pierce the clouds, and it was said the moon often stopped on the highest peak to rest. It was not one single slope up from the lowlands, but first there was a high mountain with a level plain at the top, and then another high mountain rising from that level and capped with a second plain, and then another mountain, and so on, which made them somewhat resemble a pair of stairs. So what the people of Knoll, who looked upon the North Mountains with much pride, used to point them out as, was the giant stairway, forgetting that no giant was ever big enough to use such an immense flight of stairs. Many people had climbed the first mountain, and upon the plain at its top flocks of sheep were fed. Two or three people boasted they had climbed the second steep, but beyond that the mountains were all unknown to the dwellers of the valley of Noland. As a matter of fact, no one lived upon them. They were inhabited only by a few small animals, and an occasional vulture or eagle which nested on some rugged crag. But at the top of all was an enormous plain that lay far above the clouds, and here the Roly Rogues dwelt in great numbers. Now I must describe these Roly Rogues to you, for they were unlike any other people in all the world. Their bodies were as round as a ball, if you can imagine a ball fully four feet in thickness across the middle, and their muscles were as tough and elastic as India rubber. They had heads and arms resembling our own, and very short legs, and all these they could withdraw into their ball-like bodies whenever they wished, very much as a turtle withdraws its legs and head into its shell. The Roly Rogues lived all by themselves in their country among the clouds, and there were thousands and thousands of them, and they were a quarrelsome bunch by nature, but could seldom hurt one another, because if they fought, they would withdraw their arms and legs and heads into their bodies, and roll themselves at one another with much fierceness. But when they collided, they would bounce apart again, and little harm was done. In spite of their savage dispositions, the Roly Rogues had as yet done any harm to any one but themselves, as they lived so high above the world that other people knew nothing of their existence. Nor did they themselves know, because of the clouds that floated between, of the valleys which lay below them. But as ill luck would have it, a few days after King Bud's army had defeated the army of Ix, one of the Roly Rogues, while fighting another, rolled too near the edge of the plain where they dwelt, and bounded down the mountainside that faced Nolan. Wind had scattered the clouds, so his fellows immediately rolled themselves to the edge and watched the luckless Roly Rogue fly down the mountain, bounce across the plain, and then speed down the next mountain. By and by he became a dot to their eyes and then a mere speck. But as the clouds had just rolled away for a few moments, 
the Roly Rogues could see by straining their eyes the city of Knoll lying in the valley far below them. It seemed from that distance merely a toy city, but they knew that it must be a big place to show from so far away, and since they had no cities of their own, they became curious to visit the one they had just discovered. The ruler of the Roly Rogues, who was more quarrelsome than any of the rest, had a talk with his chief men about visiting the unknown city. We can roll down the mountain just as our brother did, he argued. But how in the world could we ever get back again? said one of the chiefs, sticking his head up to look with astonishment at the ruler. We don't want to get back. Said the other excitedly. Some one has built many houses and palaces at the foot of the mountains, and we can live in those if they are big enough and if there are enough of them. Perhaps the people won't let us, suggested another chief who was not in favor of the expedition. We will fight them and destroy them. Retorted the ruler, scowling at the chief as if he would make him ashamed of his cowardice. Then we must all go together, said a third chief, for if only a few go, we may find ourselves many times outnumbered and at last be overcome. Every roly rogue in the country shall go, declared the ruler, who brooked no opposition. When once he had made up his mind to a thing. On the plain grew a grove of big thorn trees, bearing thorns as long and sharp as swords, so the ruler commanded each of his people to cut two of the thorns, one for each hand, with which to attack whatever foes they might meet when they reached the unknown valley. Then, on a certain day, all the hundreds and thousands of roly rogues. That were in existence assembled upon the edge of their plain, and at a word of their ruler hurled themselves down the mountainside with terrible cries and went bounding away toward the peaceful city of Knoll. Chapter seventeen The Descent of the Roly Rogues King Bud and Princess Fluff were leading very happy and peaceful lives. In their beautiful palace, all wars and dangers seemed at an end, and there was nothing to disturb their content. All the gold that was needed, the royal purse bearer was able to supply from his overflowing purse. The gigantic general Tollydob became famous throughout the world, and no nation dared attack the army of Noland. The talking dog of old Tallydab made everyone wonder. And people came many miles to see Ruffles and hear him speak. It was said that all this good fortune had been brought to Nolan by the pretty Princess Fluff, who was a favorite of the fairies, and the people loved her on this account, as well as for her bright and sunny disposition. King Bud caused his subjects some little anxiety, to be sure, for they could never tell what he was liable to do next. Except he was sure to do something unexpected, but much is forgiven a king, 
and if Bud made some pompous old nobleman stand on his head to amuse a mob of people, he would give a good dinner afterwards and fill the nobleman's purse with gold to make up for the indignity. Fluff often disapproved of her brother for such pranks, but Bud's soul was flooded with mischief, and it was hard for him to resist letting a little of the surplus escape now and then. After all, the people were fairly content and prosperous, and no one was at all prepared for the disasters that would soon overtake them. One day, while King Bud was playing at ball with some of his courtiers on a field outside the city gates, the first warning of trouble reached him. Bud had batted a ball high into the air, and while looking upward for it to descend, he saw another ball bound from the plain at the top of the North Mountains, fly into the air, and then sink gradually toward him. As it approached, it grew bigger and bigger, until it assumed mammoth proportions. And then, while the courtiers screamed in terror, the great ball struck the field near them, bounced high into the air, and came down directly upon the sharp point of one of the palace towers, where it stuck fast with a yell that sounded almost human. For some moments, Bud and his companions were motionless through surprise and fear. Then they rushed into the city and stood among the crowd of people which had congregated at the foot of the tower to stare at the big ball impaired upon its point. Once in a while, two arms and two short legs and a head would dart out from the ball and wiggle frantically, and then the yell would be repeated and the head and limbs withdrawn swiftly into the ball. It was all so curious that the people were justified in staring at it in amazement, for certainly no one had ever seen or heard of a roadie rogue before, or even known that such a creature existed. Finally, as no one could reach the steeple top, Aunt Rivette flew into the air and circled slowly around the ball. When next its head was thrust out, she called, "'Are you a mud turtle or a man?' "'I'll show you which, if I get a hold of you,' answered the roly rogue fiercely. "'Where did you come from?' asked Aunt Rivette, taking care to keep away from the wiggling arms that they did not grab her. "'That is none of your business,' said the roly rogue. "'But I did not intend to come. That you may depend upon.' "'Are you hurt?' she inquired, seeing that the struggles of the creature made him spin around upon the steeple point like a windmill. "'No, I am not hurt at all,' declared the roly rogue. "'But I'd like to know how to get down.' "'What would you do if we had you get free?' asked Aunt Rivette. "'I'd fight every one of those idiots who are laughing at me down there.' said the creature, its eyes flashing wickedly. "'Then you'd best stay where you are!' returned old Rivette, who flew back to earth again to tell Bud what the roly rogue had said. "'I do believe that's the best place for him,' said Bud. "'So we'll let him stay where he is. He's not very ornamental, I must say, but he's very safe up there on top of the steeple.' "'We might have him gilded,' proposed an old woman.' 
and then he'd look better. I'll think that over, said the king, and he went away to finish his ball game. The people talked and wondered about the queer creature on the steeple, but no one could say where it had come from or what it was. They were naturally very puzzled. The next day was bright with sunshine, so early in the forenoon, Bard and Fluff had the royal cook fill their baskets with good things to eat and set out to picnic on the bank of the river that separated Noland. From the kingdom of Ix, they rode ponies to reach the river sooner than by walking, and their only companions were Tallydab, the Lord High Steward, and his talking dog Ruffles. It was after this picnic party had passed over the mountain, and was securely hidden from any one in the city of Knoll, that the ruler of the Roly Rogues and his thousands of followers hurled themselves down from their land above the clouds. And began bounding toward the plain below. The people first heard a roar that sounded like distant thunder, and when they looked toward the North Mountains, they saw the air black with tiny bouncing balls that seemed to drop from the drifting clouds, which had always obscured the highest peak. But, although appearing small when first seen, these balls grew rapidly larger as they came nearer. And then, with sharp reports like pistol shots, they began dropping upon the plain by the dozens, and the hundreds, and then the thousands. As soon as they touched the ground, they bounded upward again, like rubber balls the children throw upon the floor. But each bound was less violent than the one preceding it, until finally, within the streets of the city. And upon all the fields surrounding it, lay the thousands of Roly Rogues that had fallen from the mountain peak. At first, they lay still, as if stunned by their swift journey and their collision with the hard earth. But, after a few seconds, they recovered, thrust out their heads and limbs, and scrambled upon their flat feet, and then. The savage Roly Rogues uttered hoarse shouts of joy, for they were safely arrived at the city they had seen from afar, and the audacious adventure was a success. Chapter Eighteen, The Conquest of Noland. It would be impossible to describe the amazement of the people of Noel when the Roly Rogues came upon them. Not only was the descent wholly unexpected, but the appearance of the invaders was queer enough to strike terror into the stoutest heart. Their round bodies were supported by short, strong legs, having broad, flattened feet to keep them steady. Their arms were short, and their fingers, and the fingers of their hands, while not long, were very powerful. But the heads were the most startling portions of these strange creatures. They were flat and thick at the top, with leathery rolls around their necks, so that when the head was drawn in, its upper part rounded out the surface of the ball. In this peculiar head, the Roly Rogue had two big eyes, as shiny as porcelain, a small stubby nose, and a huge mouth.
Their strange leather-like clothing fit their bodies closely, and was of different colors: green, yellow, red, and brown. Taken together, the Roly Rogues were not pretty to look at, and although their big eyes gave them a startled or astonished expression, nothing seemed ever to startle or astonish them in the least. When they arrived in the Valley of Knoll, after their wonderful journey down the mountains, they scrambled to their feet, extended their long arms with the thorns clasped tightly in their talon-like fingers, and rushed in a furious crowd. And with loud cries upon the terror-stricken people, the soldiers of Tollydob's brave army had not even time to seize their weapons, for such a foe, coming upon them through the air, had never been dreamed of before. And the men of Nole, who might have resisted the enemy, were too much frightened to do more than tremble violently, and gasp with open mouths. As for the women and children. They fled screaming into their houses, and bolted or locked the doors, which was doubtless the wisest thing they could have done. General Tollydob was asleep when the calamity of this invasion occurred, but hearing the shouts, he ran out of his mansion, and met several of the Roly Rogues face to face. Without hesitation, the brave general rushed upon them, but two of the creatures. Promptly rolled themselves against him from opposite directions, so that the ten-foot giant was crushed between them until there was not a particle of breath left in his body. No sooner did these release him than two other Roly Rogues rode toward him, but Tollydob was not to be caught twice, so he gave a mighty jump and jumped right over their heads, with the result. That the balls crashed against each other, this made the two Roly Rogues so angry, they began to fight each other savagely, and the general started to run away. But other foes rolled after him and knocked him down, and stuck their thorns into him until he yelled for mercy, and promised to become their slave. Tollydub, the chief counselor, watched all of this from his window. And it frightened him so greatly that he crawled under his bed and hid, hoping the creatures would not find him. But their big round eyes were sharp at discovering things, so the Roly Rogues had not been in Tollydub's room two minutes before he was dragged from beneath his bed and prodded with thorns until he promised obedience to the conquerors. The Lord High Purse-Bearer at the first alarm. Dug a hole in the garden of the royal palace and buried his purse, so that no one could find it but him. But he might have saved himself the trouble, for the Roly Rogues knew nothing of money or its uses, being accustomed to seizing whatever they desired without a thought of rendering payment for it. Having buried his purse, Old Tillydib gave himself up to the invaders as their prisoner. And this saved him the indignity of being conquered. The Lord High Executioner may really be credited with making the only serious fight of the day, for when the Roly Rogues came upon him, Tellydeb seized his axe, and before the enemy could come near, he reached out his long arm and cleverly sliced the heads off several of their round bodies. 
The others paused for a moment, being unused to such warfare, and not understanding how an arm could reach quite so far. But seeing their heads were in danger, about a hundred of the creatures formed themselves into balls, and rolled upon the executioner in a straight line, hoping to crush him. They could not see what happened after they began to roll, their heads being withdrawn, but Tellydeb watched them speed toward him, and stepped aside. He aimed a strong blow with his axe at the body of the first roly rogue that passed. Instead of cutting the rubber-like belly, the axe bounced back and flew from Tellydeb's hand and into the air, falling farther away than the long arm of the executioner could reach. Therefore he was left helpless, and was wise enough to surrender without further resistance. Finding no one else to resist them, the roly rogues contented themselves with bounding against the terrorized people, great and humble alike, and knocking them over, and laughing boisterously at the figures sprawled in the mud of the streets. And then they would prick the bodies of the men with their sharp thorns, making them spring to their feet again with shrieks of fear, only to be bowled over again the next minute. But the monsters soon grew weary of this amusement, for they were anxious to explore the city they had so successfully invaded. They flocked into the palace and public buildings, and gazed eagerly at the many beautiful and to them novel things that were found. The mirrors delighted them, and they fought one another for the privilege of standing before the glasses to admire the reflection of their horrid bodies. They could not sit in the chairs, for the round bodies would not fit in them, Neither could the roly rogues understand the use of beds, for when they rested or slept, the creatures merely withdrew their limbs and heads, rolled over upon their backs, and slept soundly, no matter where they might be. The shops were all entered and robbed of their wares, the roly rogues wantonly destroying all they could not use. They were like ostriches in eating anything that looked attractive to them. One of the monsters swallowed several pretty glass beads, and some of the more inquisitive of them invaded the grocery shops, and satisfied their curiosity by tasting nearly everything in sight. It was funny to see their wry faces when they sampled the salt and vinegar. Presently the entire city was under the dominion of the roly rogues, who forced the unhappy people to wait upon them, and amuse them, and if any hesitated to obey their commands, the monsters would bump against them, pull their hair, and make them suffer most miserably. Aunt Rivette was in her room at the top of the palace when the roly rogues invaded the city of Knoll. At first she was as much frightened as the others, but she soon remembered she could escape the creatures by flying, so she quietly watched them from the windows. By and by, as they explored the palace, they came to Aunt Rivette's room and broke down the door. But the old woman calmly stepped out her window upon a little iron balcony, spread her great wings, and flew away before the roly rogues could catch her. Then she soared calmly through the air, and having remembered that Bud and Fluff had gone to the river on a picnic, she flew swiftly in that direction, and before long came to where the children and old Tallydab were eating their luncheon, 
while the dog Ruffles, who was in good spirits, sang a comic song to amuse them. They were much surprised to see Aunt Rivette flying toward them, but when she alighted and told Bod that his kingdom had been conquered by the Roly Rogues, and all his people enslaved, the little party was so astonished that they stared at one another in speechless amazement. "'Oh, Bod, what shall we do?' finally asked Fluff in distress. "'I don't know.' said Bud, struggling to swallow a large piece of sandwich that in his excitement had stuck fast in his throat. "'One thing is certain,' remarked Aunt Rivette, helping herself to a slice of cake. "'Our happy lives are now ruined for ever. We should be foolish to remain here, and the sooner we escape to some other country where the Roly Rogues cannot find us, the safer we shall be.' "'But why run away?' asked Bud. "'Can't something else be done? "'Here, Tallydab, you're one of my counsellors. "'What do you say about this affair?' "'Now the Lord High Steward was a deliberate old fellow, "'and before he replied he dusted the crumbs from his lap "'and filled and lighted his long pipe "'and smoked several whiffs in a thoughtful manner. "'It strikes me,' he said at last, "'that by means of the Princess Fluff's magic cloak we can either destroy or scatter these rascally invaders, and restore the kingdom to peace and prosperity. Sure enough, replied Bud. Why didn't we think of that before? You'll have to make the wish, Bud, said Fluff, for the rest of us have already wished, and you have not made yours yet. All right, answered the king. If I must, I must. "'But I'm sorry I have to do it now, for I was saving my wish for something else.' "'But where's the cloak?' asked the dog, rudely breaking into the conversation. "'You can't wish without the cloak!' "'The cloak is locked up in a drawer in my room at the palace,' said Fluff. "'And our enemies have possession of the palace,' continued Tallydab gloomily. "'Was there ever such ill luck?' "'Never mind!' said Aunt Rivette. I'll fly back and get it, that is, if the Roly Rogues have not already broken open the drawer and discovered the cloak. Please go at once, then, exclaimed Fluff. Here's the key. And she unfastened it from the chain at her neck and handed it to her aunt. But be careful, whatever you do, make sure these horrible creatures do not catch you. I'm not afraid, sent out Rivette confidently, and taking the key... The old lady at once flew away in the direction of the city of Knoll, promising to return very soon. Chapter 19 The Bravery of Aunt Rivette The Roly Rogues were so busy rioting that they did not look into the air and discover Aunt Rivette flying over the city. So she alighted, all unobserved, upon a balcony of the palace, just outside the chamber of the Princess Fluff, and succeeded in entering the room. The creatures had ransacked this apartment, as they had every other part of the royal palace, and Fluff's pretty dresses and ornaments were strewn about in dreadful confusion. But the drawer in which rested the magic cloak was still locked, and in a few moments the old woman had the precious garment in her hands. It was, as we know, 
the imitation cloak Queen Zixi had made and exchanged for the real one. But so closely did it resemble the fairy cloak that Aunt Rivette had no idea she was carrying a useless garment back to her little niece and nephew. On the contrary, she thought to herself, Now we can quickly dispose of these monstrous rogues and drive them back to their own country. Hearing someone moving about in the next room, she ran to the window and was soon flying away with the cloak to the place where she had left Bud and Fluff. Good, cried the Lord High Steward when he saw the cloak. Now we have nothing more to fear. Put on your cloak, your majesty, and make the wish. Bud threw the cloak over his shoulders. What shall I wish? he asked. Let me see, answered Tallydab. What we want is to get rid of these invaders. Wish them all into the kingdom of Ix. Oh, no, cried Fluff. That would be wicked to injure Queen Zixi and her people. Let us wish the roly rogues back where they came from. That would be folly, <laughs> said the dog Ruffles with an accent of scorn. "'for they could easily return again to our city of Knoll, "'having once learned the way here.' "'That is true,' agreed Aunt Rivette. "'The safest thing to do is wish them all dead.' "'But it would be an awful job to bury so many great balls,' objected Bod. "'It would keep all our people busy for a month at least.' "'Why not wish them all dead and buried, then?' asked Ruffles. "'Then they'd be out of the way for good, ha!' Huh? A capital idea, responded Tallydab. But I haven't even seen these curious creatures yet, said Bud. And if I now wish them all dead and buried, I shall never get a glimpse of one of them. So let's walk boldly into the city, and when they appear to interfere with us, I'll make the wish, and the roly rogues will instantly disappear. So the entire party returned to the city of Noel, Bud and Fluff riding their ponies, Aunt Rivette fluttering along beside them, and the Lord High Steward walking behind with his dog. The roly rogues were so much surprised to see this little party boldly entering the streets of the city, and showing not a particle of fear of them, that they at first made no offer to molest them. Even when Bud roared with laughter at their queer appearance and called them mud turtles and footballs, they did not resent the insults for they had never heard of either a turtle or a football before. When the party reached the palace, and the children had dismounted, Bud laughed yet louder, for the gigantic General Tollydob came to the kitchen door, wearing an apron, while he polished a big dishpan, the Roly Rogues having made him a dishwasher. The ruler of the Roly Rogues was suffering from a toothache, so he had rolled himself into a ball and made old Tullydub, the Lord High Counselor, rock him gently as he lay upon his back, just as one would rock a baby's cradle. Jicky was scratching the back of yet another roly rogue with a sharp garden rake, while Jicky's six servants stood in a solemn row at his back. They would do anything for Jicky, but they would not lift a finger to serve anyone else, so the old valet had to do the scratching unaided. These six young men had proved a great puzzle to the roly rogues, 
for they found it impossible to touch them or injure them in any way. So after several vain attempts to conquer them, they decided to leave Jicky's servants alone. The Lord High Purse-Bearer was waving a fan to keep the flies off two of the slumbering monsters, and the Lord High Executioner was feeding yet another roly rogue with soup from a great ladle, the creature finding much amusement in being fed in this manner. King Bod, feeling unsure of making all his enemies disappear with a wish, found rare sport in watching his periwigged counsellors thus serving their captors. So he laughed and made fun of them until the roly rogue ruler stuck his head out and commanded the boy to run away. "'Why, you ugly rascal, I'm the King of Noland,' replied Bud. "'So you'd better show me some proper respect.' With that he picked up a good-sized pebble and threw it to the ruler. It struck him just over his aching tooth, and with a roar of anger the roly rogue bounded toward Bud and his party. The assault was so sudden that they could hardly scramble out of the way in time, and as soon as Bud could escape the rush of the huge ball, he turned squarely around and shouted, "'I wish every one of the roly rogues dead and buried!' Hearing this, and seeing that the king wore the magic cloak, all the high counsellors at once raised a joyful shout, and Fluff and Bud gazed upon the roly rogues expectantly, thinking that of course they would disappear. But Zixi's cloak had no magic powers whatsoever, and now dozens of roly rogues, aroused to anger, bounded toward Bud's little party. I am sure that the result would have been terrible had not Aunt Rivette suddenly come to the children's rescue. She threw one lean arm around Bud and another around Fluff, and then, quickly fluttering her wings, she flew with them to the roof of the palace, which they reached in safety. The Lord High Steward and his dog went down before the rush, and the next moment old Tallydab was crying loudly for mercy, while Ruffles limped away to a safe spot beneath a bench under an apple tree, howling at every step, and shouting angry epithets at the roly rogues. "'I wonder what's wrong with the magic cloak,' gasped Bud. "'The old thing's a fraud. It didn't work.' "'Something went wrong, that's for certain,' replied Fluff. "'You're sure you hadn't wished before? Are you sure?' "'Yes, I'm sure,' said Bud. "'Perhaps,' said Aunt Rivette, "'the fairies have no power over these horrible creatures.' "'Well, then, that must be it, of course,' said the princess. "'But what shall we do now? "'Our country is entirely conquered by these monsters, "'so it's not safe for us to stay here.' "'I believe I can carry you anywhere you'd like to go,' said Aunt Rivette. "'You're not so very heavy.' "'Suppose we go to Queen Zixie and ask her to protect us,' the princess suggested. "'That's all right if she doesn't bear a grudge against us. "'You know we knocked out her whole army,' remarked Bud. "'Quavo the minstrel says she's very beautiful and kind to her people,' said the girl. "'Well, there's no one else we can trust,' Bud answered gloomily. "'So we may as well try Zixie.' "'But if you drop either of us on the way, Antrevet, "'I'll have to call the Lord High Executioner.' "'Never fear,' replied the old woman. 
If I drop you, you'll never know what has happened. So each one of you put an arm around my neck and cling tightly, and I'll soon carry you over the mountain and the river and into the kingdom of Ix.